If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Hey, this is Denman C. Anderson from Static Bloom and Samita Serpens. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and it's time to get lost and rewound. Alon Danziger, and you are now tuned in to Lost and Rewound. This is a monumental occasion because I am back in Bushwick recording live from the one and only Radio Free Brooklyn studio, and joining me to help in in this endeavor is our very own Radio Free Brooklyn tech scholar and the brains behind all operations, no matter what you may think. His name is Calvin Williams. Hello, Calvin Williams. <laughs> hey, Lon. Glad to be here, man. <laughs> welcome well, welcome back to the show in some form. Uh, you will be board-opping for this episode today. Uh, you've been kind enough to take the time out of your week to uh, join in on the fun here for this edition. Yeah, it's my pleasure. There is no time to delay further, for there is... Uh, a very special guest who has been joining us, Calvin, in the studio. Denon C. Anderson is a writer. He is a producer, a musician, and uh, a tinkerer of many things, uh, so I've been told. Um, <laughs> so I read. Uh, Demon releases music of his own under the name Samita Serpens, and for the past five years, he has served as a member of the post-industrial outfit Static Bloom alongside singer Fade Kaner. Denman Welcome to Lost and Rewound and to Radio Free Brooklyn. Thanks. It's uh, it's great to be here. I'm glad we were able to to work this out. Yeah, man. We, I, we, you and I are, are work neighbors, effectively. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. see you around the hood, and uh, we've had many, uh, uh, a even pre-COVID, uh, many a wonderful conversation about things music-related. You uh, have a very diverse palate, sir. Yeah, I think it's... I'm not one of those people that I like all kinds of music. I like many kinds of music i'm just weirdly particular weirdly about particular. what i like and that's no judgment on things i don't like it's just what catches my ear your uh bandmate fade kaner he went on record and had said something in an interview around the time you joined uh the static bloom roster mm-hmm. it's just the two of you right yeah it's just the two of us now when you guys had uh uh Paired up, uh, he was saying you had fronted a hardcore band, but you were also making techno music at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which came first? Oh, uh, when I was in the the hardcore band, uh, LTW. LTW. And I was in Washington, D.C. when I used to live there. I am originally from Mississippi. We're not on speaking terms. Uh, I'll still go see my parents down there, and I love them, but, oh, that state and oy. the states around it, yeah. they're not my friends. You beeline it to your folks, and then that's... That all you do, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's fair. Well, you know, I grew up in like, um, I mean, basically still a suburb. It's just like a deep south suburb. So it's a little different. But, you know, what am I going to, you know, go to a chain store? or Sure. 
but run into people who are just going to say like crazy nonsense. Were you involved in the hardcore scene in your uh, hometown out there, or was that something you had not gotten involved in until you moved to DC? No, I mean, um, I mean, really, it was more like the punk scene, and I and I know there's like wide overlap there, definitely. Um, and I was just like a weird kid in the South, really pre the internet, that didn't have any like cool siblings or kind of friends, and so. There was like a couple of people that kind of knew about interesting music. Um, and there's actually like a small, small cachet of like kind of garage punk kids who at, on the one hand, like really and truly hated me. But on the other hand, like still wanted me to come to their show. And even though they were really mean to me, I still would go to their show. Whenever I discovered the sort of concept of alternative, I was like, oh, this is this, you know, is me whatever this is and then you start going through that journey and figuring out what you like and what appeals to you and you know at first i was just like a spazzy kid so i liked punk music that i could get my hands on i feel like a lot of people from the 90s would say this but like early lookout record stuff you know they were like the label that launched green day they also had great bands like operation ivy right you know the, it's, it's the all coming queers, back to me now it's like um, southern california uh, skate punk type of affair. So I got into that stuff, and then uh, as I got older, it's just like whatever I could kind of get my hands on, and I realized that I really liked the kind of DIY scene, and then I got to college, and like also it was that time in the 90s where like everyone was really eclectic with what they were listening to. So I was also like really eclectic then, sort of like listening to some industrial music, listening to some like goth stuff, listening to like you know, it was like when the rave scene was sort of taking off and I had one or two friends that were into that. So I was like, well, let me check out some of this and just like general alternative stuff of the time. Um, and then once I got to college, I started trying to find like more specific stuff. And I found out that I really liked DIY stuff and I started to get a little political and I realized that I really liked the underground. Um, what would end up? I would be like the radical scene. Um, Where were you in college? I went to the University of Southern Mississippi because... You know, I didn't. But there was a DIY scene there. Yeah. I mean, there was enough of like, there was honestly, there was like 30 year old kind of life dropouts who were putting on shows for a lot of bands that were really inspired by first wave punk. So they were teaching me about like the damned and the stooges and like they were very in that vein. And that was awesome. It was like the first time I heard the birthday party and like. Mm. Um, but yeah, but so then, you know, as you start finding your own way, even through that, like, that's when I got to more of the DIY underground punk scene and would, like pick up zines and stuff. And then I just randomly ended up in DC. Like it wasn't a planned randomly. Thing. So I like, it was really, I didn't have a ton of ambition growing up because I was just this kind of offbeat hyper kid in the deep South pre like digital interconnectivity. So I was just like, well, this is just life <laughs> and you know i was from like the baseline middle class family you'll go to college and you'll do whatever my father was a is is a painter and you know my mom was like a librarian for a long time i think like when she was really young she was in a dance and stuff so there was also like more wiggle room to sort of try and find your own path as well i so i have two degrees in theater um, really yeah yeah um, and so because I was like, I, I don't know, I'm good at English. I like performing. 
I was either going to be an English major or theater. It was just kind of like, guess I'll pick this one. So uh, I ended up getting an internship in a small town in Virginia. And then I had friends that were like, well, if you want to, because I was like, I just, I really want to live in a city. And DC wasn't even on my list, but they were like, look, if you just want to move here, we'll help you out. You can crash with us. You can, you know, whatever, get a job. So I was, I, you know, I was like, well, I'll just go there for a little while. And I was there for a decade. It grew on you quickly. Well, you know, it was my first time in a real city as small as DC is and as kind of conservative as it is in a lot of ways. And so at the time, their development in cities hadn't plowed over everything yet. So there still was kind of like the last bastions of like the discord scene and kids into punk. And that's when like. Oh, there's just words I don't want to use, but like the real... You can use them if you want. Well, no, I mean... If, they're, if they are suitable. I mean, um, <laughs> like, that's sort of when the radical punk scene was really dressed down and really what was kind of hopping was like really political, like majority rule, submission hold. It's a lot of stuff like that. Um... 1905, if anyone remembers that band. I know none of these I bands. Mean, this is this is where I you you would have kind of had to have been in in the in the DMV. You had to DC, be there, Maryland, man. Virginia. Yeah. Um, but you know, and so I got a job off the street at a cafe. They owned the buildings, and so they were like, you know, we have a gallery next door and a, the- a large theater in the back, and and then this small space. And we're thinking we have shows sometimes in the small space. And I was like, can I book shows? And really, it was just like, because there's bands I want to see. So I'm just just to like, so I can see bands. Um, and that was really what started me getting like involved in music. And I can't say I was really great at that, but I did get to see a lot of bands I thought were really cool. And it was, you kind of feel like you're part, you're an active part of the music community. And it's sort of like, as soon as I got to DC and started doing stuff, even though I worked mostly doing tech for like, larger theater companies there i just started to feel like the rift between like theater and music and as things went further along theater people it was just i remember what someone saying you know i just don't understand anything that ever comes out of your mouth and there was some great people trying to do some stuff like no hate on anyone doing dc theater it was just i wanted to do more radical stuff and they weren't really interested and other flip side of things there was like a lot of crazy experimental music stuff going on and radical stuff and i was interested in that and i just reached a point where i was like i don't know how i'm gonna do this but i gotta get out of theater yeah no it's not the right medium and uh plus you know i mean for being as politically motivated as you were at the time that you were there it must have given you uh, a, a huge opportunity to have a platform uh obviously you know Surrounding yourself with the with the right, you know, people, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole thing with me coming to music is I wanted to start a band, couldn't start a band. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, well, it was at the same time that all like a lot of punk kids were quitting the punk scene to become DJs. Um, and a lot of that had to do with proximity to Baltimore because Baltimore Club was like huge. And um, yeah, I just new people that were really starting to get into DJing. And at the, at the time, it wasn't as like DJ-centric as it was. So I would also go to the Black Hat and see people DJ like, you know, random music, cool stuff, whatever. And then as the sort of like resurgence of the American DJ world started to happen, like a lot of people I knew got swept up in it. So I was like, well, you know, I don't know how to be a DJ, but like, 
if I can't start a band, then I'm just going to start trying to DJ as a way to play music. Yeah. Um, and so... This music is getting produced one way or the other, <laughs> if I have anything to say about it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, originally, I was just DJing as my first name, Denman. Okay. And... Um, at the height of that, I was sort of like really, really into the, like the future bass scene. Um, future bass scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you were nodding your head, Calvin. <laughs> what, do you know about this future bass scene? Uh, future bass is actually one of the genres I play on my show from time to time. Very good. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, all the, I mean, there's a, there's, there's a lot of people and it's like a sort of like in some ways it was a retrospect umbrella that a lot of stuff got put under. But, you know, the Night Slugs scene and like all that stuff and kingdom and blah 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 but i love that stuff and so i was trying to make bass music but you have to know what you're doing because low ends are really technically difficult so i i made a couple tracks i don't think they were amazing um but that's what really kind of got me going and i got at the time like serato and turntables and you would use the control vinyl and all that (laughs) stuff because it was all dmc based kids even though half of us like couldn't do any turntable stuff were, were you more of a fan of the vinyl was it kind of like a a, a, a new uh frontier for you to have to use more of the electronic sort of uh capacities of like the serato like using your mp3s i'd never done anything like that before that so everyone that was the standard at the time that's gone through so many standards i feel like the first iteration of cdjs is what had just died out because serato happened sure um so i just was learning how to use that um it really is like a like you have to sort of adapt to change very rapidly because technology uh in djing is just it's ever-changing and uh i imagine for you that that's probably the most important thing is just making sure that your gear is up to the level so that it's hard because like i am i am not a person with a lot of money and it is expensive (laughs) my parents are nice and help me out when they can but you know neither one of us are like you know have gold bricks in a room somewhere so have they been receptive to the music that you play and what do they say about it yeah well the funny thing is is before all this stuff when i was still booking shows when they would visit dc i would like make them come to stuff so like on the one hand they came to several dj nights that i was not involved in i was just a fan of but then on the other hand there was like in particular one kind of big crazy show i mean and i you have to understand that no one can see this, but the warehouse where I set up shows was about the size of this room. It's very small, very small. Legally, I think the capacity was 65. And um, I can't remember the full lineup, but we had a show where the headliners were Baroness and Kailessa. This was before they were super big, but, you know, they were already popular at the time. And, like, I had my, I made my parents come to that. And they met some people, and they met a lot of people in the punk scene. And it's, it's really funny because uh, one time... When Youth Code um, was playing Baltimore, and I just know them from, you know, music stuff. And they were like, we played in Baltimore, and they were like, oh, yeah, we know Denman, but have you met his parents? (laughs) That's awesome. I've I've kind of made them be involved. Uh, What has the uh, um, situation been uh, regarding your trips overseas for playing music? Has that been something that you have had the opportunity to do? And could you talk maybe a little bit about the first time that you had the opportunity to write? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's kind of a first and only time. First and only time. Fade has been in a lot of projects. He's from Germany originally. Well, he was born in Germany and he spent his first handful of years there, but he's really like grew up in 
Florida. Okay. Um, and he's lived in New York for a long time. And now he's, I don't know, it's a long story. He's in the UK right now. Um, but uh, he's been in bands that have done a lot of touring. But I've just mostly done kind of smaller stuff. And, um, you know, I ended up joining the band. So we were originally going to play Germany. And there's a freak snowstorm. And every flight was canceled. I was ready to do stupid stuff like max out my credit card. But it didn't matter. You just couldn't get a flight in time to make it to this show. And we even gave ourselves like a buffer day. So that was the first time we, we had really like worked out playing Germany. And then we got asked to play the warm-up show for Wave Gothic Treffen, which is a huge like city-wide gothic industrial dark culture fest in Leipzig. Uh, and then we had our gracious friends in Spitmask who live in Berlin and they kind of put us up and we played a handful of other shows. We played in Berlin. Um, we played in London. We played in somewhere else in the UK that I should remember. Uh, and then we, we played Leipzig uh, for the fest and it was crazy, crazy. I can only imagine. I, I have only been to one industrial show and <laughs> I felt like a fish out of water would not be the right term. But uh, it seems like when you get enough folks who are into the style of music that you uh as in the static bloom uh, catalog are playing oh man i mean they come out in droves i think i think slick idiot was the band i went to see and that was a band that was headed by the same guy from KMFDM, <laughs> and it brought out some characters that i'd never seen at a show before because sure, i've sure. never been to an industrial show of my own admittedly but um what, talk a little bit about that. What, what kind of experience what was it like to be performing for an entirely new crowd? Well, the thing is, like, I don't know if, if you are aware, but, you know, art and culture is treated with much more respect and reverence in specifically Europe. I'm sure there's other places as well. Oh, sure. But... No, it goes with underground <clears throat> hip hop, too. They, they love it. I'm sure. Yeah, 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 of course. love it. So any time you're going to play in Europe, it's just going to be a better experience. Sure. The, the promoters are going to treat you better and the, there'll be more fans and everything's just going to be better. And no shade on the people in America that are promoters because that's really hard and, and they work really hard, you know, trying to put shows together and get people to come out and take care of everyone. Um, but, man, we were playing this massive hundred-year-old beer hall that was like hands down the largest place that I'd ever played. And we had just gotten some of the new record at the time that wasn't released yet and like people in the door the door is open they're at our table being like yeah you have the new record okay i'll take i'll take four. Oh, you have vinyl i don't i don't care give me the cds <laughs> because it's also europe and it's really i feel like it's an american trend and i could um, be wrong and i'm totally that's fine um for people to want I'll really want vinyl. They still like really like CDs it's, it's there. It's picking up now, and I'm impressed because I, I, for a long time, didn't know where to even get a record player. I could buy records up the wazoo, but finding a record player was the problem. I was collecting records before I had a record player. Mm -hmm. Those same bands that were like terrible to me in Mississippi, like I, I bought their seven inches. Hey. So I, for years, was carting around like records 
<laughs> just like they go, they come from Mississippi, they go to Virginia to DC, and then back to New York with you. And I, you know, I finally got a record player, <laughs> and now you know, I for a long time I've had two very nice Technics turntables. Let's talk about New York a little bit. Um, this will segue into something incidentally that has to do with Europe. But uh, you've been in New York now for seven years. Yeah. What brought you to New York? Well, I, I mean, I probably wanted to live in New York for a long time. Um, but, uh, you know, I was so inculcated in D.C. that it was it was hard. It was hard financially. It was hard to figure out work, this, that, and the other. But I would come up to New York a lot, and I was friends with a lot of people in the sort of like club and, and party scene it, like i a lot of them but like in particular i have a special place in my heart for trouble and bass and that whole crew and i don't know i would just kind of come up and hang out and kind of go on wild escapades and um then i met edward because they'd lived in california for mm-hmm. like 14 15 years and we're just they wanted to do a hard restart and they grew up in maryland near dc so they were like i'm just gonna go back to sort of like where I started and regroup and we met and I was just like, let's move to New York. We should get out of here. Yeah. And I, I sometimes feel bad that like I was like, pull you right out of this place you moved across the country for. <laughs> you know, you have this DJ moniker that uh, was, I assume, birthed uh, after you moved here. Uh, could you talk a little bit about Samita Serpent? It was honestly, it was, it was like before? at the tail end in D.C. Okay. But you know, I, I was a bass person that was just, that scene kind of hit the wall real fast and, and fractured. And so I was just like, and then everyone was just making like really redundant footwork, which footwork is great. But, you know, and it's a bunch of like, I don't know, you, you know, drum and bass producers who got weird stuff that now just keep making the same like footwork tracks over and over again. I was just like, yeah, do something else. So I'd never really, ironically, I'd never really been into for for electronic music and so i was just like i don't know anything about techno but i just and this was like before the trend it was just random i was just like i'm gonna make this dark techno thing i had no idea really what either of those words meant so i just kind of started and it was the first time i was like i'm gonna make music um and really try and do it and so started at the tail end of being in dc there really wasn't a place for me to really at the time dj this kind of stuff and uh so we moved up here right when that was really happening and you know yeah that's where things really got going tell us a little bit about new york haunted this is not a new york based <laughs> operation yeah so new york haunted is like run by the absolutely indefatigable juggernaut of drug culture who lives in tilburg okay wait who is the <laughs> Oh, drug culture is yeah, yeah, yeah. drug spelled with, but drug culture is uh, the Vs. user V's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, that's very gothic. I love it. Um, and I well, it was just like I was wanted to put music out. I didn't really know, you know, who to put it out with, even though I had you know some connections. But there were just you know a lot of times you find yourself in a situation where the people that you know are just a little too big, and there's no reason unless you just randomly do something amazing that they would take a chance on that and i i understand that completely so i realized two things one was that um a couple of tracks i would play out a lot were by this person drug culture who i noticed was doing a lot of like free downloads and then some of the other tracks i really liked a lot were on this label new york haunted but then i realized was his label in tilburg um and so at some point i was like man i would really love to put something out on this label because it was just 
so many releases and like he'll put out all sorts of like experimental strange stuff like from like off kilter like regular typical techno or house or acid but like done in the sort of new york haunted way to just like harsh soundscapes and weird glitchy stuff um and i randomly saw that he was coming to new york to play a show and so he came and i was like hello i think you do great stuff and this is who i am and whatever and i make music sweetest serpents has been sort of like low-key happening in the background of my life for for a number of years uh, now. like a nice bowl of rice you just keep <laughs> in the pot bubbling ready yeah 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 um and so i sent him some stuff and he was just like let's put it out and i was like oh my god the label that i really want to put out this music is gonna put it out that's exciting so they did and you know i've done three eps total okay and then one remix and then one like compilation track this track here that we're going to be listening to is a new track called yeah. the uh sun peering into you and this appears on one of the more recent remix projects the most recent ep on new york haunted So fucking far out. Calvin, what, what, what went through your mind when you saw that video? We were watching a video here in the studio. It needs to be seen, but Calvin, I need your thoughts first. 
First of all, that was definitely right up my alley. <laughs> I like a good four-on-the-floor four groove. And this was like far removed from what I usually listen to. I'm, I'm big on house, but man, like I was just definitely getting into it. And it's kind of the very ambient, like lots of like very dark ambient vibe there. And that combined with the uh, music video, like, okay, that music video was wild stuff, man. Oh yeah. Seriously. I'm so appreciative of that video. It's I, awesome. I mean... Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, who, who who the artist is? If you go online to New York Haunted uh, on YouTube and you see this song, The Sun Peering Into You by Sabita Serpens, uh, the artist is Meg Scharf. Yeah, yeah. Um, Meg is the partner of my friend Evan, who they're both awesome people. Um, I know through them through like touring with Static Bloom stuff. And they do graphic design and similar work, video stuff. And they are also both in the DJ and production community and they had done some short video clips for evan's music and i was like do you think they would want to do something for my new ep Mm -hmm. and they said yes and i paid them because you should pay people for their work yes you should that's right i don't have a lot of money but i'm but no that's pay people for their work no that's that's some that's some real deal shit to be paying for i mean worth every Every stinking penny. Yeah, I mean, I told them that, like, if I could have given them more, I would have given them more. It was just, that was the max I could put into that. The thing is, is that uh, when I see a video like this, it immediately brings me back to the before times, if we're still calling it that. <laughs> Hopefully the before times will be, uh, there will be an after party for... <laughs> to... <laughs> That's a terrible joke. <laughs> Try that again. Um like in the before times, um, there would be like those like house parties or like those big loft parties, and you got like this huge projection. And I swear, like I'm right there, maybe drunk, maybe stoned, on my own because my wife would never be caught dead going to them, but I would totally fuck with them going and being like a little ant in this tiny colony of people dancing to this music while this projection is just like on the wall and this music is just thumping 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 and i'm just like where am i like it really feels like something very um atmospheric and like would and would throw everybody into this dance craze uh in the ambiance i definitely feel you on that because like there's not a whole lot of music that will get me moving like i was listening to the song watching that video i was like it's it right here <laughs> yeah well I, you know i'm not one to be like my music but i will say like i sort of probably to the chagrin of like mastering engineers i make mm. pretty hefty kicks so if you can listen to it through something that like picks up bass there will be an extra layer like to it extra oomph to it yeah you uh brought some gear with you Denman, uh, I did. you brought some gear with you. Um, when we return from this quick break, more from Denman C. Anderson providing us with sounds both new and old. We're really excited. So keep it locked on Radio Free Brooklyn. Right back with you in a little bit. Lost and Rewound. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air. Support independent community media by pledging whatever you can. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Please support with a monthly pledge or one-time donation at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. 
we're here in the studio. I'm here. I can't believe I'm freaking here, but I, I am grateful to be uh, joined uh, by the tech wizard that is Calvin Williams, who could be here here on Radio Off Brooklyn as well every Tuesday evening from 11 to 1 for Lush Vibes Radio. Uh, contributing his time for Board Oppen for Lost and Rewound this week. Thank you again, sir. My pleasure, sir. And our guest for this week, our special, very special guest, is a man by the name of Demon C. Anderson, uh, whom you know from Static Bloom as well as his own uh, project, uh, Semi to Serpents. Uh, and right now, we do actually want to uh, get into some old uh, sounds uh, that. Uh, I, 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 what, what is the. Did, were you going by Denman during this period of time uh, for your uh, artist name? This was like a totally separate thing. What did you make this for? Um, well, it started with me making an Exotica mix. I like a lot of different things. And as sure as I have an Ema Sumac tattoo on my arm, <laughs> um, I got into the whole like Capitol Records, Resurgence, Ultra Lounge series in the 90s, like a lot of people did. And I really found my way into like Exotica stuff. And I just kind of like like that as, as problematic as it totally is. You know, you deal with both sides of that. And I just was really like wanted to put a mix together. So I did. And I like I think you know, Mishka posted it at the time and probably one of the more successful things I've done. But then I had this account and I just thought, do some other stuff. I plan to do a whole series of non-DJ DJ sets, but I always do take off. I bite off more than I can chew. And so I did these like three things for this I, one I, I, SoundCloud. I, I did want to uh, bring attention uh, before we play an excerpt of this uh this mix um because it's very it's it, oh it's, this is just an improv thing that i did this it's yeah and i'm fascinated by uh the framework of which sets up for this clip which is to say that you are a huge halloween and horror fan yeah um it says here apparently that uh you were collecting Along with vintage Thai rock and roll compilations, yes, you also began collecting Halloween vinyl. Yeah, how yeah. did that? That is fascinating because you really have to like seek out for that kind of stuff. I mean, there's whole communities of people right now that would find that run of the mill, sure. But at the time, there wasn't this weird like not weird, but this whole like spooky Halloween horror culture wave that we're in so i i collected a lot of records for a short period of time when i had a little extra money and yeah i definitely like picked up a lot of vinyl first horror movie you ever remember seeing that stood out i have no clue um but i definitely remember going to a slumber party once where they played um friday the 13th two and three <laughs> was it back to back yeah 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 oh man that's an indoctrination. And uh, yeah, I, you know, and I think really what a lot of this plays into was, again, back to like 90s stuff, the 50s, 60s cult B-movie phenomenon. And I got into a lot of that stuff that was put out there by everything from like Mystery Science Theater, where at first you would watch them and you'd like laugh and then you'd be like, now I want to watch The Brain That Wouldn't Die, like, just on its own. I, right? No, I'm, and, I'm with that. And people can criticize them, and I get that. But they really helped me, like, really get my head into a lot of these movies. And, uh, you know, to everything to, like, the Ed Wood movie. 
Yeah. Um, by Tim Burton to like something weird video to like all that stuff. So really. The Sven Gulli fair. Sven Gulli, yes. I actually, um, one of my like fav- cherished moments was going to New Orleans to the New Orleans Worst Film Festival. And it was 12 straight hours. It was the, an anniversary and they had like late night horror hosts from around the country. OMG. Back when like you just had to really want to do that. Yeah. Like it wasn't a thing like it is now. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying like back when it was a time when, you know, it's heyday had passed. So if you wanted to be that weird person hosting like late night weird movies, you really had to like do that. Yeah. You had to find a way to do that. That's amazing. That sets up a perfect uh, <laughs> intro into this clip of which uh, is very abrasive and exciting because uh, it, it may inspire somebody to create a horror film just based on what they're about to be hearing. <laughs> Are we ready? Yes.
Holy shit, dude. Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> uh, Calvin, I'm going to swing it your way for first thoughts. Okay, so while so while the music started coming in, it started immediately like like hitting like hitting my imagination like really really hard in terms of like 50s 60s like black and white horror movie imagery. It just especially it like, like 70s too maybe. Yes. Part of the song like starts getting a bit more tense and you can start actually feeling that tension and just like imagining like oh shoot, is it somebody behind that door? Oh god. Who is it? And then the uh, delay pedal feedback started kicking in. That's that just like, ah. <laughs> so it's uh, two two delay key, uh, pedals, right? Uh, um, and, a, and a broken keyboard. There's a broken keyboard and two <laughs> pedals. Uh, one was a delay pedal, and I think the other was either like a distortion or a multi-effects pedal. Sure. And it was nine years ago. Yeah. This was recorded uh, pre-New York City, still in D.C., and... Uh, Definitely impressed upon you uh, the uh, horror films of your uh, of your uh, of childhood, teenage years. Um, yeah, like teenage years. Teenage years. That was the sweet spot. That was like the when you really started getting into some of the more obscure stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say probably like this in particular was like inspired mainly like honestly like college time, but by films like Carnival of Souls and I Bury the Living, maybe the original House on Haunted Hill, which is you know a little more wacky than those two but you know yeah there um, there is a film that you and i uh share a love of phantom of the paradise yes it is your favorite movie of all time yeah how did that come to be that came to be because i had a friend in college who was older than me um but he was you know he was a total like nerdy collector cinephile all that stuff and which i thought was you know really cool and um you know, he would just invite me over and be like, you should watch The Fugitive. You should watch this, that, and the other. And he had a Laserdisc player. He was really into oh, Laserdisc. That's awesome. Oh, nice. And he was like, have you ever seen Phantom of the Paradise? I'm like, I don't know what that is. And he's like, we should watch it. It's one of my favorite movies. And so we did. And I was like, I totally understand <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah, man. No, that's real. I uh, found myself very uh, fascinated by it uh, when I first saw it to the point that I made a musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, not me specifically but i i damn it i spearheaded it i helped create it it (laughs) happened it actually happened um on my watch and god damn man um i think the 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 thoughts i had listening to that definitely uh bring me back to when i would watch it and just like the sinister sort of soundtrack that would come uh into play in between the actual musical numbers. Like there was the Paul Williams songs, which are incredible. Mm-hmm. And then there was just like the Brian De Palma, you know, just like general soundtrack. And I mean, that kind of sinister sort of, albeit, you know, I mean, it was like your composition, like your Winslow Leach kind of <laughs> moment there in a way. Yes. Kind of an opus, if you will. And there, that is a very long song. Uh, it, did you intend it to be 15 minutes? I just you, you just know, kept going. It's a thing I did, and yeah. it wasn't related to anything, and it wasn't for anything, and I just was like, I had this short-lived SoundCloud thing I was trying to do that I didn't have time for. It. I yeah. just thought I would put it up there. The last five years I was in D.C., I really weirdly lucked out. I was in what became like a really posh neighborhood, but you know, at the time it was near a lot of cool stuff, and it was a house that was owned um, by the guy sort of managing it, but he 
lived in other countries because it's DC. So like he had a jobs in other countries and he just wanted to make sure that artists or whatever younger people could live there. So the rent was really cheap, crazy cheap now for that neighborhood, but it was this like semi-dilapidated Victorianish small mansion that we called the castle. It was huge. And at the time I was living on this, like crazy stuff like wild animal wallpaper and like crazy like fantasy artwork like paintings and like the living room and stuff it was all the owners and it was just it was that it was that track so so sinister (laughs) i gotta wonder when i hear something like that and for the uh commitment to the length uh despite not knowing how long you're going to commit for what what kind of track uh, do you have to play uh, here in the studio for us? And is there something of that variety uh, uh, of the not you know just starting to press buttons and figure out what you're doing as you go along that birthed this track? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you you asked me if I wanted to play something live, and the truth is, is almost all the music I do with Samita Serpents is all inbox, which means it's it's all like software based. I don't use a lot of outboard stuff, even though I have a little bit of outboard gear. So you'd really have to reverse engineer a track to play it live, and that, that takes a while. Um, and so I was like, let me just try and throw some to, something together for the show. And it's very much like this would be a Samita Serpents track. It's a little dubby. It's a little techno-y. It's, a, it's, it's deep. It's, you know, don't get ready to, like, jump up no, at peak time. <laughs> no, no, this is, this is perfect. This is you... Uh, ripping uh some kind of uh label off of the packaging yeah. uh and, and revealing something that nobody has heard before yeah and i you know i and it's safe to say that like if i ended up putting this out i would definitely want to like you know go over it refine it do some stuff it's but, rough around the edges yeah and i made it for this show this is a uh, uh, exclusive <laughs> for radio free brooklyn lost and rewound in the world Demon, uh, take it away and uh, show us what you got. Okay. Sabita Serpents here in the studio. Thank you. 
I, I mean, I don't want to make this about me, man, but I've been doing this show for a very long time, and we've had a, many a musician, guitars and piano and, you know, just all instruments under the sun, but um, I have not uh, had the uh, pleasure of having a front row seat to someone on Ableton, so um, that was really special. Thank you, yeah, really. I mean, thank you for asking me to do it. 
it it, it was awesome. I I, I would, wasn't expecting the second to last episode of Lost and Rewound to be flowing with this just incredible energy of amazing four uh, four beats <laughs> of courtesy of your of your fingers. Um, they are. Amazing, amazing touches, amazing touches there. Uh, gosh, um, Calvin, did you have any thoughts about what you just saw, what we just heard? Sitting here vibing, watching you uh, work magic. I actually just enjoyed watching you rock that Ableton push, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's an awesome piece of gear. Static Bloom uh, with a Q. Staticbloom.bandcamp.com for all of your releases. Yeah, the one good thing about Fade naming it Static Bloom with a Q instead of a C is that you put that in, the band comes up. So That's right. Um, where else? Uh, so SoundCloud.com slash uh, Sabita Serpens, uh, is uh, S-C-M-A-I-T-A-S-E-R-P-E-N-S. Uh, mm, yeah. Uh, other places that uh, people could go uh, to follow you and to uh, purchase your music. Uh, you know, I mean, I would just say just in general, go to the New York Haunted Bandcamp. Everything I've released is in the mix of a gazillion awesome releases. Yeah. But also just check that out and support that label. And there's a lot of random cool stuff that they put out. So for sure there. You're a good man and a fantastic artist. And please, please, please do not stop. Thank for sure. you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This is really great. Devin C. Anderson has been our guest this week on Lost and Rewound. Calvin Williams has been uh, the generous board op. Thank you, Calvin. My pleasure. I'm Alon Danziger. This has been episode 253. If you want to check out the archives, uh, Lost and Rewound is up on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, as well as our main hub at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. That'll all that do it. Um, in the meantime, please don't forget to dismantle systemic racism, Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, and for fuck's sake, stop AAPI hate. Thank you so much uh, for listening, and uh, I'm glad I could be here in the studio in Bushman. We'll be back next week. Take care. What's up? <laughs>